Oh, did you see that thing? The first CO2 um, reclamation factory opened in Sweden or Finland or one of these places? I did not know that. Yeah, in one year, it will have undone three seconds of human... Oh, no. We're so bad. (laughs) We're so bad. I mean, it's the first of its kind, so, yeah. Yeah. We just need a million of them. Right. But I drive a Chevy Volt, so back off, fuck nuts. Get that Ford F-150 that can power a house. Yeah, and I power it with my house, fuck nuts. Okay. Don't know what's happening here. (laughs) I go to other people's houses and I plug my Ford F-150 into their house and I suck all the power out of their house. Oh, fuck nuts. (laughs) Oh, boy. I don't know if I like this new John. Uh, I do. I definitely do. (laughs) I can tell. Whatever. Let's podcast. I'm tired of making digressions. That's a first. I know. I'm changing. Fuck nuts. (laughs) God damn I didn't know how to start the, the episode, and John just started counting, so I guess welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name, as always, is Henry. And my name is Unforgiving John. And together we're always Henry and Unforgiving John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. Let me just go ahead and open a quick bevy. Oh, you mean like this? Like that indeed. Ooh, that's the sound of a can I hear. Why, yes, it is, John. Good ear. Uh, exotic. What are you drinking, Henry? I am drinking a Shiner Ruby Red Grapefruit beer. What do they call it? What do you call yourself, you beer? I've never heard someone use a beer like an epithet before. (laughs) Uh, it doesn't say anything. It's just called Texas Ruby Red Grapefruit. Um, I mean, fruit beers typically, I don't know, you'll have like saisons and stuff, but fruit beers yeah. don't uh, adhere to much strict naming conventions. Right, I was wondering if it said like ale or something, but no, I'm drinking one of these, John, because get this, 98 calories a can. Wow, 98 calories. Under 100 calories. Uh, well, I personally am drinking a LaCroix sparkling water apricot flavor. Zero calories, but uh, infinitely less fun. Is this one of those hard ones? No, it's just a LaCroix. Oh, okay. So you're just you're straight edge tonight. I'm I'm straight edge tonight only because I drank a lot last night. 
That's fair. Uh, let me tell you a story, Henry. I'm all ears. It's actually a very short story. I just went to a place that uh, is very popular in Austin. You might have heard of it. Easy Tiger. Mm. It's and it's Oktoberfest. Uh, Prost. It's Oktoberfest. Prost indeed. I went there only because it's kind of on my way away from work. And it's one of my favorite places to drink and eat in the city. However, I did find out that every Monday is all day happy hour. Oh, uh, no. So I proceeded to drink way too much on a Monday night. So oh, this is a dangerous no. discovery for me. That's got to be one of those particularly hard day treats like Popeye's is to me. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, when you can get, like, a giant mug pour of a very tasty beer, and you can do that many, many times, oh my god, I don't know if they have, like, a rotating beer menu, but the St. Elmo Carl was on that, which is one of the tastiest beers on planet Earth, it's so hard to say no to unlimited Carls. I was gonna ask what's your go-to there, not fully with the understanding that I can't remember what I usually get. Um, I go to their, I mean, their beer list rotates a lot, but I really like the Real Ale Squirt Gun, which Uh is a tasty, hazy IPA, but it's only like 4%, so they pour you like a massive beer, and it's very tasty. Uh, And then, of course, the St. Elmo Carl Classic Kolsch, one of the tastiest beers brewed in Austin. I love the St. Elmo Kolsch Carl. Carl Kolsch. Carl Kolsch. Carl Kolsch. I will remember that next time I'm at, I'm at Easy Tiger, because I think I just get whatever says Heffy behind it. I mean, not a bad way to go. You you want to you wanna Hefeweizen sometimes. They also have pretty good cocktails, but they're pretty expensive. Let oh, me no. go off on a tangent about this. Okay. Uh, they have happy hour old fashions that cost $5. Mm. Uh, but they're not served in rocks glasses. They're served in these little tiny things with a ton yeah. of ice, and it's a real ripoff. There's not even a cherry in it. I actually don't know that an old-fashioned is supposed to have a maraschino cherry. I think I'm not a cocktail guy. Yeah. I, I feel like if you're going to a beer garden that actually, you know, that is B-I-E-R, or however you spell it, and garden with a T, I feel like you can't go to a beer garden and order a cocktail in good faith. I feel like you can, but in a limited capacity. If any place is willing to serve you beers in giant mug pours with big old hefty handles, you should go for the big old hefty handle every time. If you ever want to feel like a Viking or some type of old-timey warrior that would drink mead or ale after a big battle, go to Easy Tiger or any beer garden. Any place with long tables and big handles. I also like a place where you can get a, a good a good verst uh, that's very delicious and, and hot, hotly served. Hotly, hot, hot, hot worst. Hot I, verst. now, you know me, Henry, I'm a, I'm a weird beer snob, I almost spilled my drink. Uh, <laughs> and there... I do know you're a weird beer snob, you almost spilled your drink. <laughs> And there's a pretty serious reason to drink beer out of certain intended uh, vehicles, intended uh, glassware. Like you want to drink like a super floral beer, like a barley wine or a double IPA or an imperial ale out of like a snifter because you want to be able to collect the the floral scents, right? Right. Uh, And for the most part, 
I agree. However, if you ever give me the option to have a beer served in a giant mug or stein, I will always take it. It is my oh, favorite yeah. way to be served beer. It is the most appetizing way to be served beer. Bar none. I, I mean, yeah. It's dangerous to make beer drinking beer feel good. But there's something about the hand feel on a huge mug of ale or beer that is just like very satisfying from start, from, from pick up to put down. Really, whoever invented the mug, I'm assuming the Vikings, did the right thing. It feels like you just killed someone and you're drinking to celebrate their death. I remember when I did uh, trivia for a local bar in a city with, that we both used to live in. Right. Uh, the bartenders really liked me and they would serve me this now defunct beer called Hot Coffee which was a 9% coffee stout, and they would serve it to me in, like, 20-ounce mugs. Oh, my gosh. My life was rough. <laughs> that was a... Uh, it was a mostly period of my life. Of, mostly yeah. because of the beer. Mo absolutely mostly. I had a terrible job that I hated with a fiery passion, and I uh, drank to forget. Not Don't live your life that way. No. Uh, but it was a very affordable way to self-destruct. Right. The, the better way to self-destruct is slowly over a long period of time in front of a podcast audience. Yeah. Uh, something like 260 episodes worth of you self-destructing over time. Yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan. Uh, well, I'm glad you're making the right choice tonight and curving 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 your drinking so that you don't run into the dangerous territory of one of those people yes i i do not want to become one of those people i did for a moment uh i had a lot of blood work done because my insurance is expiring and uh this is great news for everyone listening to the podcast my blood work is great very oh. low risk of heart disease that's good the only thing is uh -oh. that I either have, like, low or high alkaline phosphatase. Whoa. Uh, which, it, you're, it, it's ALP, your liver makes it. Oh, your and liver's too busy. Y yes. I, uh, I was looking it up, it's like, oh, if you have high levels of this, you might have, like, cirrhosis of the liver from being an alcoholic or whatever. But oh. apparently... Uh, if you were once significantly overweight, you might have a little bit of fatty liver. And my values are off by like one, I don't know, microgram per deciliver. I don't know what it is. They're that's very, how, they're not off by a ton. That's how they get you though. Because you can, you can work out, you can burn all the fat, but you can never burn the fat off your liver. Well, my doctor does have me on a pretty strict liver cardio program. <laughs> you gotta run that liver hard. Yeah, I swallowed a Peloton. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, he, he seems pretty busy in there. Oh, your liver's a he. Good to know. Yeah, I didn't know until I asked. Right, right. Well, it comes out, comes out in the blood work, I'm sure. Yeah, it really, it really does. It's like alkaline phosphatase a little high or a little low, I don't remember. Liver, male. <laughs> liver, male. Yeah, heart liver question low heart question marks <laughs> heart question marks heart uh look whereabouts unknown. <laughs> it would I, I'm imagining like 
we've made all these leaps and bounds in medical science, but what if we still kind of had thinkings of like medieval doctors? So you're reading all of this, but then there's a section that says soul colon unable to locate soul. (laughs) Unable to locate uh, comma still. Right, right. It's like, Doc, what about this part? It's like, oh, we keep that on the form just in case we ever invent a scanner that can pinpoint your soul. Yeah, if we ever find the soul, we're going to change that. I'm hearing a bit of thunder in the background. I wonder if the mic's picking that up. I'm also hearing thunder in the background. Apparently, it's going to be a pretty bad storm. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Great, great, great. We got pillows in the backyard that are being soaked through. Oh, boy. Well, you know what those are called. Soakies. Mildew. Oh, okay. (laughs) They'll dry, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. I I hope my fiancé makes it back safe from art class. I hope my wife makes it back safe from work. Wow, we both have... Our hearts live outside of our bodies, and they both have to get in little cars to come home. <laughs> Was that on your form? <laughs> uh, yes, actually. It, it said heart lives outside of body, needs to use a little car to get home. Heart uh, works a nine to five. Yeah, heart really is not in it at work anymore, oh. uh, but is really punching the <laughs> clock every day. Now I'm imagining a scenario where your your place of work does like a like a CT scan on your body and like, huh, we can't seem to locate your heart. <laughs> yeah, your it, heart's not in it. Exactly. Yeah, very good. Well, Henry, uh, John. Uh, speaking of our hearts not being in it and punching that nine to five clock as you and I do every day, even though mine is more like eight to five. Mine is also eight to five. I think that's the standard, right? Eight to five or nine to six. Yeah, with a one hour lunch break. Yeah, I think that's that's about the standard for people. How sad unions fought for fought for the nine to five workday and then we lost it. We lost it because they put in a mandatory break that just eats up an hour of my life each day. I don't even know that my work expects me to take a lunch break. Well, legally they should. It's very laissez-faire. I just go nap on a bench for 30 <laughs> minutes. Okay. Oh, it's really coming down out there. Anyway, Henry. Bad. John. Uh, speaking of uh, punching the clock, nine to five jobs, what if I told you that there was a way for you, Henry, to pull down the kind of money you need to succeed long-term in your life without the need for one of these nine-to-five jobs. I'd say sign me up right now, Mr. Pyramid Scheme. This isn't a pyramid scheme. This is legitimate. Okay. Uh, now, I, I would like to... I have a financial guy. And I'd like to introduce you to him eventually. Uh, his name is Mr. Gox. Have you heard of him? No. It's his first legal name, Mr. Well, we'll get to that. Mr. Gox, uh, like a lot of people, he's been dabbling in cryptocurrency. He's been trying to to strike it rich. But he's since he started trading, his overall portfolio is up by 20%. He's like beating Berkshire Hathaway. He's beating the NASDAQ 100. He's doing really well. Oh, no, John. He's doing really well. Oh, no, John. I know what this is, but I can't ruin your bit. 
Well, maybe the most important thing is that Mr. Gox is a hamster. Right. <laughs> it's the crypto trading hamster who outperforms the SP500 and Warren Buffett. Yes, uh, Mr. Gox, the hamster, uh, not trained by, but I suppose facilitated by two computer scientists uh, in Germany, uh, has been taking the cryptocurrency world on Twitter and Reddit by storm uh, by trading cryptocurrency despite being, I reiterate, a hamster. This is fascinating. Now, I, I did not know that the hamster was German. Uh, does Gox mean something in German I don't know about? Well, this is where we're going to take a quick aside to everyone's least favorite place, which is John's cryptocurrency history uh, chair oh, corner. Are there? Okay. Is a chair in a corner? <laughs> yes, the chair is in a corner. You have to stand while I address you about cryptocurrency history. This yeah, this seems like every conversation I've had about crypto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. Now, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about cryptocurrency and the blockchain on this podcast, because every time that I've done so in my personal life, I am chased naked screaming out of town. Uh, so I appreciate the, uh, the platform. Now, Mount... Mount Gox. Mount was Gox? Mount oh, oh. Gox. This is history. Sorry, I, I blanked out for a second. It, all the blood is rushing to my legs because I have to stand. I, I'm going to do a, a little bit of a, of a Christopher Nolan. I'm going to weave in and out of certain points of the story. Mount Gox, you might remember in the deepest recesses of your mind, was the most popular uh, cryptocurrency intermediary in the world from maybe the mid-2010s to a little bit later. Uh, it was the place to buy cryptocurrencies and exchange cryptocurrencies, even when cryptocurrencies weren't as liquid as they are now. Uh, people would go to Mt. Gox. Uh, Mt. Gox stands for, of course, Henry. Oh, right. Uh, Mount, Mount stands for Mountain, of course. And Gox is Graphic Overlay Experience. That's right, Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. What? Because Mt. Gox was created by a college student what? to be a website for trading magic cards, but then eventually somehow, uh, through the unknowable uh, wheel of history, turned into the largest cryptocurrency intermediary on the planet. What? <laughs> yes. So that's Mt. Gox. Okay. You might... Mt. Gox is famous uh infamous because mount gox no longer to the best of my knowledge operates and uh you know i don't know why people you know take it out of mount gox's hide about this they just suddenly said that 450 million dollars worth of holdings went missing and then disappeared <laughs> that seems suspect yes so mount gox uh the fascinating thing about an unregulated uh, electronic currency is that no one can really stop you if uh, you you hold on to an intermediary that actually holds cryptocurrency holdings because they can just disappear and legally they didn't really steal anything from you if it vanished right uh, fascinating amount of culpability there however that is where mr gox gets his name a, a fun play on the uh, once infamous Mount Gox. Well, that's very fascinating. I appreciate that. 
And I appreciate that that whole segment was straightforward, very much unlike a Christopher Nolan film. <laughs> I uh, have not yet gotten to the part where we're in a dream inside a dream. Uh, however, you might be asking, how does Mr. Gox trade cryptocurrency, John? John, if I may, I believe I have a question. Uh, yes, you and the only person standing in this corner? Right. Uh, yeah, thank you for calling on me. Uh, my name's Henry. I'm with the podcast Zero Credits. Uh, now, John, how does a hamster trade cryptocurrency? Well, I'll walk you through the process step by step. First of all, like any successful business person, Mr. Gox keeps his own office hours. Of course. Uh, so Mr. Gox is in a traditional hamster-style enclosure. Of course. You know, right. where hamsters typically live if they're domesticated. Uh, however, there are two chambers. One is his primary living area, which addresses all of his needs. Water, the little pellets, a place to shiver and hide like hamsters tend to oh, do no. for hours at a time. And another room, which is his office. And whenever okay. Mr. Gox moves into the office, his office hours begin. Uh, it is uh, live posted to Twitter and I believe Reddit when he is in the office. Uh, and people get to tune into the live stream to watch him trade. And he trades via two mechanisms, which are the intention wheel and the decision tubes. <laughs> Okay, so he's got some apparatus that facilitate two different specific actions, uh, intentions and decisions. Exactly. The intention wheel is a, uh, a hamster wheel. Once again, like I said, the two people who uh, created this account are uh, engineers and computer scientists, so they're pretty smart. The intention wheel, when he is spinning on it, uh, randomly... Uh, it, it rotates through a list of 30 cryptocurrencies. Okay. And there are two tubes set aside from the wheel, one labeled buy and one labeled sell. Right. So if I, I think I can puzzle this together. Please. When Mr. Gox is in his, his he's in his office and let's say he gets on his, his, his intention wheel. He'll, he'll run on that, and wherever it stops, that's the currency, the cryptocurrency that he wants to do something to. And then, if the if Mister Gox goes into a buy or sell tube, uh, that action is takes place respectively. Exactly. Amazing. Yes, you you could not be more right. I am fascinated by this for a lot of reasons, uh, and this is also an experiment. That is not unique uh, in, in almost any way. There have been a, a lot of different variations of this. There have been university students who make cats pick stocks that typically outperform the market. You really only hear of these things when they outperform the market, understandably. Well, there's uh, also some animals that can predict the results of elections and stuff like that. And Of course, you've got that famous groundhog that can tell the weather. Yeah, that famous groundhog that knows what the weather will be, the election octopus, the soccer octopus. Uh, there are a lot of smart animals out there. Uh, I, I think, of course, the draw to Mr. Gox is that he is not smart and is making decisions purely randomly. Uh, and this is the part 
where no one likes it because John is going to talk to you about economic theories. Uh, are you familiar with the random walk hypothesis? No. Uh, the random walk hypothesis, it was Burton Malkiel in his book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street, uh, was essentially saying that trading stocks is essentially random uh, without basically uh, super private insider information. It's very difficult to like work an equities market in such a way that isn't just gambling. And he has a few strategies to to alleviate that concern. But famously in the book, uh, he writes that a blindfolded monkey throwing darts could select a portfolio that would do just as well as one carefully selected by experts. A lot of people have tested this. There was a pretty famous uh, Wall Street Journal article where the where the writers made stock predictions by just throwing darts at a dartboard randomly while blindfolded, and it beat the pros by 27%. Uh, all of this to, to prove the random walk hypothesis. But Henry, I think Mr. Gox actually has something uh, more important to teach us. Now, what could that possibly be? Because you just told me that everything is random and so thusly has no meaning. <laughs> yes, uh, in a way, that is true. Uh, however, the two minds behind Mr. Gox, uh, the two anonymous Germans, uh, who knows if they're even German? They seem to be German. Uh, they... Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> More details are coming out, folks. John has no idea if these people are German. They say they're from Germany, but who's to say? China just made trading cryptocurrency illegal. Maybe they're oh, from China. Who knows? That's right. They did. Uh, however, these two alleged Germans uh, in in their interview for BBC News actually uh, said something pretty profound that I didn't see any other article picked up on. Uh, and what they say is for the reason for creating uh, Gox Capital, which is the name of Mr. Gox's firm. Of course. It, is we felt that everything keeps getting more expensive these days and building savings is super hard to achieve with high rents to pay. It seems like almost everyone from our generation sees no other chance than throwing a lot of their savings on the crypto market without having a clue of what's going on there. We were joking about whether a hamster would be able to make smarter investment decisions than we humans do, which is funny and illuminating, but also... Uh, very sad in how true it is. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, if that's their motivation uh, to highlight just the general atmosphere of people trying to build savings and not being able to do so without literally throwing their life savings on cryptocurrencies or, or meme stocks, for lack of a better term, then uh, yikes, huge yikes. Yeah, and you're gonna have to help me out with this, Henry. What's the what's the risky thing in football where you try to get a touchdown after where you try to run it into the end zone after you get a touchdown? And it's never worth it. It's called a two point conversion, John. So I feel like a lot of people have been a lot of people in middle to lower income brackets have been doing a, a an attempted two point conversion with their finances, particularly for things like cryptocurrency and wall street bets. I think wall street bets is where you really started to see a lot of this. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and wall street bets used to be just people posting what they call loss porn, which is just people missing on their huge bets 
and like, yep, that was stupid. And now it's just filled with millionaires, John. It's filled with millionaires, but it's also filled with people for whom they put all their life savings on one or two stocks that didn't go anywhere or put all their money in Doge or whatever. It's garlic coin in garlic coin. It's people who are doing anything they can to turn their meager earnings into something. Right. Uh, because the, the way that the financial system is set up right now, uh, the great majority of people in this country are not at all set up for success. Can't save enough money to retire and uh, win like 50% of the population's best chance at retiring is to essentially gamble. It's not good. It's not a good situation. A sentiment that you see time and time again on Reddit is that uh, the lottery is, for lack of a better word, an idiot tax because of your your odds of, of winning are so astronomically low that you're basically just giving away your money and and they always say it's better off to invest it. But now you're getting to the point where you can invest enough money and get gains so high, it's essentially like winning the lottery. So now everyone's doing this without doing the due diligence or the DD, as they call it. And uh, they, they're literally just transferring their wealth to these, these high-powered firms that have been gaming the system for years. And now with the shorting of GameStop have been have been caught in this trap because the stock didn't perform like they engineered it to perform thanks to the meme stocking of Reddit. And so now we've got just little individual day traders trying to take on huge establishments. And isn't this just all way more complex than what it should be? <laughs> yeah. Isn't this one could maybe make the argument that the systems of capital are uh, unnecessarily complex and unfairly weighted towards people who can trade at massive scale and they can essentially uh, create the economy around us. Yeah. And, and what, what's crazy, the, the, the grand scheme of all of this is that the economy and the stock market are not very much related <laughs> Yeah, they're actually, they're growing increasingly uh, negatively correlated. It's weird because like the economy has been slowly, slowly recovering. Meanwhile, the stock market has made millions upon millions of dollars for people who already had millions of dollars. How does that make sense? It's always fun. And it was fun in the past, but it's especially fun now to read financial papers where they'll talk about like the S&P 500 and they're like record in the midst of the coronavirus, they're like record jobless claims. A lot of bad stuff is happening, but the S&P 500 had a really good day. And uh, we don't really know why. Right. Right. Like, or a lot of these uh, stock market rags, as they're not called, uh, they'll say like, oh, the economy is doing terribly, but they're just talking about the stock market. They don't yeah. mean the actual economy because the two are separate (laughs) yeah i mean what what people typically refer to as the stock market are just a series of indexes for very wealthy companies right like yeah all the fortune five million companies or whatever has very little to do with people suffering every day so all of this to say do not listen to the advice of mr gox 
they are very clear that Mr. Gox is uh, not to be taken seriously, very much uh, a joke. Hold on. Oh. Let me just update you on some of Mr. Gox's most recent transactions, though. What? Okay. They haven't revealed... They say they're outperforming, but like, how much? How much are we talking? How much has this hamster made? twenty uh, percent, up up twenty percent annualized since he started trading. So we we don't have the actual figures, though. Yeah, I don't think we the the trouble I think with Mister Gox is that his reporting uh, hierarchy is really could use some work. I mean, Gox Capital is a new firm; it's to be expected. Uh, but it looks like most recently traded some XRP at a slight loss. Let's see. Ooh, Mr. Gox. Ooh. Uh-oh. Looks like as of 20 hours ago, he is up 16%. So he's actually lost a little bit over the last day or so. He ate, he ate a, a good chunk there. Oh, looks like he's been taking some big losses on Stellar Lumens recently. Uh, sounds like they might have uh, wrote the article too soon, if you ask me. Hey, listen, I have faith in Mr. Gox. I put all of my life savings behind him. Yeah, no, the the problem is when you, uh, like, they, they open this firm, they do this little article in this study for fun, but when they start taking other people's money <laughs> and start <laughs> yes. investing it, that's when you get a real, you know, rat per Murdoch on your hand. Yeah, that's when you get a real, hold on, who's the, a, a real Ben Bernank rat? <laughs> huh? Pretty good. Pretty good, pretty good. I don't know the, the real name, though. <laughs> anyway, that Ben Bernanke? I don't know who that is. Now that's the money rat. <laughs> the money rat. Is it a mink? Now that's what I call money rat. It's the sequel to Money Ball. Yeah. First comes ball, then comes rat. As we all know, this is how nature works. Who's the guy who did the pyramid scheme? It's not Ben Bernanke as a former chair of the Fed. Rupert Murdoch. No, he owns the Fox Network. Oh, fuck. Pyramid scheme guy. Bernie Madoff. I was so close. More like Bernie made rat. See, it that's I maybe I got too focused on the rat pun and I, I don't know. Dang it, I got the wrong guy. That's why you didn't laugh. Uh not because it wasn't funny. More like Charles Pons Rat. These aren't good. You know, not a lot of people name have rat. Well, yeah, but there's other rodent out there. Gerbil. Hamster. Gerbil Madoff. Burble. Burble <laughs> Madoff. I don't feel like this is going anywhere anytime soon, John. Nutria. Beaver. Capa capybara is that is that anything i feel like that could be something okay this is a waste of everyone's time uh, well, except ours well no especially ours yeah true true um so yeah um we wish mr gox the uh, greatest of luck in his financial endeavors may he get his nest egg wait no oh, like better her. joke better joke 
may he get his nut. Ah, there you go. There you go. We got him. We did it. We finally we landed it. We finally landed it. We really landed this burning plane. Man, it is really coming down on side. My favorite part of every comedy stand-up special is when the uh, the comedian says a joke and then goes, wait a minute, better joke, better joke. <laughs> I mean, it's a classic part of every stand-up set. <laughs> They're like, that one wasn't supposed to make it out of rehearsal. Whoopsies. <laughs> they uh, are frantically moving the pages around on the stool right. during the open mic. You know why they always, they, they t- you know, you know, for some of them, they have to, t- they take the label off the bottle of water. Yeah. You know why that is? Why? Because sometimes some stand-ups try to sneak their jokes on the inside label of a bottle of water. And we got to know they're not cheating. Oh, wait. Hold on. You mean like if they have a stand-up special? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's a real real magic unmasked magician's revealed situation. Right. They got it. He's like, come on. We know there's words on that. The, the inside label of that bottle of water. We know that's where you wrote your jokes. We're not buying it, John Mulaney. I mean, everyone, when they go see stand-up, what do they think after someone tells a really good joke? They say, how did he do How that? did he do that? How did he remember all those words and then say them in that order? Yeah, and you know, they wear some of them wear these suits, and it's like, yeah, okay. I know why you wear that suit. I know what's up those sleeves. And some, 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 some wear glasses. Oh, yeah. Google Smart Lens. We know. Yeah. Also, it could be engraved on the inside of the glasses. Who knows? All these comedians want to pass off like they can memorize their jokes. And we all know they can't. The only person who was ever able to memorize all of his jokes was Dane Cook, and that's why Mensa took him. That's why, yeah, they took him out, straight out. Yeah. To dinner, and then recruited him to their think tank. Recruited him to Mensa, and now he's Mensa Mensa father. Mensa. <laughs> the, you know, uh, the leader of Mensa? Right. All right, I'm going to do a transition. <laughs> <laughs> great you mean what we were talking about didn't give you you mean we we forgot to do the one thing you should do during like a presentational thing where you talk broadly so anything can be a transition yeah. are you telling me we got hyper focused and jokey in such a way that it's impossible to transition out of mensa father dane cook <laughs> yes I, I, I feel like we've painted ourselves into a little bit of a corner. So what I'm going to do is uh, one of these non sequiturs. Are you ready? I'm ready. The thunder is mean outside. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, speaking of people not really knowing what they're doing and leaving the decisions to be made by animals, John. <laughs> Whoa, pretty specific. Have you heard? I don't know if you caught this news that came out late last week. A little company by the name of Nintendo had one of their famous uh, Nintendo Directs and nestled within this 40-minute presentation of brand new video games coming to the Nintendo Switch pretty soon was a kernel of non-video game related news. Have you heard about this? 
I mean, I I heard, I didn't hear any news, but I, you've heard. Okay. But I, I I did feel some kind of disturbance. Yes, as as if as if thousands of Italians cried out at once. Yes, uh, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, who has not been in, featured in a direct in I want to say fifteen thousand years. Uh, stepped onto the screen, disrupting the entire proceedings of the event to announce that the Super Mario movie that we had all forgotten about is still very much being made, and they've nailed down the casting. I'm... I mean, I know what this is, but I'm still sad about it. I watched this in complete and utter dumbfounded shock. One, that Nintendo, a video game company, was giving me movie news. And two, that it was coming straight from Shigeru Miyamoto's mouth. Uh, a man who created Mario, um, Pikmin, the, helped with The Legend of Zelda. Like, he is, he's been a video cre- game creator forever. And here he is telling me, from, straight from his translated mouth, that Chris Pratt, is going to voice Mario. <sighs> now, those of you who aren't familiar with Chris Pratt, um, he has been, he got his start late in life. Um, he's been in a couple of things, Parks and Rec. He's Star-Lords and Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the Raptor Whisperer in Jurassic World. He's a Lego man. I think I said that twice. Maybe I didn't. And now... If you're not familiar with Chris Pratt, he's the person that everyone uh, really liked in the early 2010s, and now pretty much everyone is really sick of. Uh, Of course, one of his more standout famous roles is he played a weird, creepy guy who dooms Jennifer Lawrence to an early death and the movie Passengers, seemingly for no reason. Yes, that is his most well-known work. Right. And uh, so he, Chris Pratt, American, lived in his van and smoked weed in Hawaii for a while, is going to play the most iconic video game character perhaps ever. Uh, A character who famously has had a voice... For 30 years? Yes. Uh, a, a man, uh, I mean, a character who's been voiced by the same man for the past 30 years, whose name is Chris Marnett. Uh, Charles Martinet. We're going to edit it to make it sound like I was right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Charles Martinet, of course, uh, the the probably most famous for his role as a, uh, the dragon Parthenax from Skyrim. Uh, is that real? Absolutely real, not made up. I uh, very interesting. I did not play enough of Skyrim's main story to hear Mario Dragon. Oh, he just doesn't sound anything like Mario. You probably wouldn't even know it was him. I mean, he's he does a great Mario and a great Luigi and a great Wario and Waluigi. So I bet he'd be pretty good. The crazy thing is, you say he does a great Mario, as if there's ever been in the video games. Disclaimer: as if there's ever been another Mario. 
Yeah, there's never, I'm sure, I mean, there's Japanese Mario, but I don't know what he sounds oh, like. Oh, no, it's still Charles Martinet. Really? Charles Martinet has been the vi- the video game voice of Mario through all of the voiced iterations of Mario. Why would you do this? I don't know. Now, of course, I, I keep having to stress that this is, he's been the video game voice. There have been other actors who have played Mario in film and television, uh, like Captain Lou was famously uh, Mario yeah, in the Super Captain Mario. Captain Lou Albano. Yeah? You know his full name? Yeah, no, it's Super Mario Brothers Super Show. I love that Yeah, show. absolutely. And uh, and then, of course, there was the, uh, the famous ill-begotten fe- feature film. I don't know who played him. Um, uh, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hop- Hoskins. Why do I know? <laughs> Why do I have a photographic memory for who played Mario? Uh, because I think never in your wildest dreams would you ever see Chris Pratt playing Mario. And so your mind is reeling with just the historical facts of Mario. I think that's my theory. Yeah, it's uh, it's much like right before you die, you relive all of your memories now that Mario as a character is dying, I'm reliving all the char- all the people who have portrayed him, all the memories. So we've got that big announcement. That's the the biggest one that people had. Uh, I guess a, um, not a that's the one they ran with the most uh, on the internet for sure. Um, it definitely a huge uh, just a, a swath of memes with Chris Pratt Mario from. Uh, Yoshi's being photoshopped over the Raptors in Jurassic World uh, to people replacing clips of Mario with Chris Pratt lines on YouTube. Uh, People seem to be really running with this idea. uh, And by really running with it, uh, they're mainly highlighting how baffling of a decision it is. I mean, Chris Pratt does have some very iconic Mario-esque lines. Uh, name one. Uh, it's a me divorcing Anna Ferris. <laughs> I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I'm a right wing. Uh, he might be. He's yeah. he's just kind of a dumb guy. I'm a what you call a bit of an idiot. This is very <laughs> terrible. I need to stop. <laughs> yeah. So long on my career. <laughs> Um, so that's the one people focused on the most, but the rest of the the voice cast is equally delicious and delectable to to dissect. Um, starting with, I think, the most non-controversial choice, uh, Princess Peach is being voiced by, of course, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, I'll take it. That seems fine. I've got no problem with this. Uh, they're both blonde. That's my reasoning. <laughs> I I feel like Anya Taylor Joy has a real Princess Peach thing. Distant bakes you a cake if you rescue her. Large eyes. Large eyes. Probably you know Queen's Gambit. <laughs> but she's a Princess Peach. Wait, why was she never Queen Peach? Oh, uh, I truly don't know. Where are her parents? Um, I'm sure this has been addressed. So now we get to some of the more interesting choices because the way that the way that Mr. Miyamoto-san 
introduced Luigi was by calling Luigi uh, Mario's timid brother and then announced he would be voiced by Charlie Day. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really see Charlie Day as a Luigi. I mean, I can kind of see it. I can see a Charlie Day as Luigi, but not timid, not timid Luigi. Yeah. I can see him as a freaking out, like, hysterical Luigi. Yeah, I I think I could see him doing a good job of, of the Luigi uh, spin his legs in the air when he does, like, a long jump thing. Right. I, uh, I could see that. I don't know how high Charlie Day can jump. But we all as long as it's slightly higher than Chris Pratt. Exactly. That's really all I ask for from this cast is uh, they their characteristics and real life need to match their character's persona. So I need to see Anya Taylor Joy uh, have the ability to float a little bit at the apex of her jump. Oh, I mean, I I don't know if you saw Queen's Gambit, but she can. Okay, I, I have not seen Queen's Gambit, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Good job utilizing that jump skill, Anya Taylor Joy. Feels wrong just to call her Anya. <laughs> I don't think we know her like that. Yeah, I don't think I, I'm not on first names basis with Miss Taylor Joy. Uh, and of course, uh, I I peeked at a little bit of the list. Jack Black as Bowser. No, he, he... Uh, famously, <laughs> he does have the ability to die by being dropped into lava. Right, of course. I do have a little thing to, to, to play with um, because, again, Mr. Miyamoto, he announced that funny man Jack Black would be playing Bowser and that we should all look forward to what jokes he has for us this time. <laughs> this has... Now, I didn't... I don't know that I've ever watched a Nintendo Direct. Everything that you say about this... yeah makes it sound like a joke i mean it's it's weird like i can't argue with shigeru miyamoto about these characters because he created them however i don't think in in a majority of the portrayals of king koopa or bowser minus the rpgs I don't think Bowser in the mainline games has ever told a joke. <laughs> I think he'll do puns. Maybe puns. Bowser will like do puns sometimes in like Super Mario Galaxy sometimes. Right. But he, I don't know that I've ever seen Bowser tell a joke. I think this is this is what's going to happen. This is, we're finally going to get the backstory of these characters that we've never gotten before. Turns out Bowser is a failed stand-up comedian who's been trying to woo Princess Peach with his jokes. And when that fails, he just kidnaps her. Because what else are you going to do? Oh, no, I do remember at the very last level of Super Mario Odyssey... Uh, Bowser starts telling this really long joke about how he was riding the subway and then this Italian guy got on and then it just got really, oh, really racist. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. And then every time he like shot a fireball at you, he'd be like, white people shop for groceries like this. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Who could forget Bowser's famous catchphrase? 
princesses be shopping <laughs> princesses be shopping they stay shopping they stay shopping uh yes uh please tell me jokes jack blouser yeah jack blouser i i don't have a problem like i feel like jack black can be a great bowser i, I just i do have one hope for this main cast and uh with this next reveal this next casting reveal of keegan michael key being toad i feel like there's some hope here um i do hope they're not just going to use their normal speaking voices (laughs) i don't feel like they could in in good conscience with with keegan michael key being toad i can i have to imagine i mean the man is immensely talented key and peel they play a range of characters with a range of voices i have to imagine that keegan michael key has a toad voice in him I mean, this is not to disparage Keegan-Michael Key, but he's got big toad energy as a person. Okay, so like he's got, you know, I'm not, we're just pointing out characteristics. He's got like a dome head. (laughs) He's got a domed head. He's somewhat manic, but loyal. (laughs) I'm sure he's faster than the other cast members, and Toad was canonically the fastest in Super Mario Bros. 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it fits. I think it fits. I, I'm I'm honestly this is the casting I'm most excited about. Because either he has a great toad voice in him, or he goes super deep voice with it, and it's hilarious. Like I That would be pretty funny. I, uh I I will say, once again, peeking at the cast list, I don't know that Keegan Michael Key is the one I'm most excited about. Oh, are you are you excited for who's portraying Donkey Kong? Uh, no, I'm excited for who's portraying Cranky Kong. Okay, well, that's later on. Hold on. We gotta get through. Okay, well, who plays Donkey Kong? Seth Rogen. Okay. I think I see it. He does have a banana horde. Right. He does famously live on an island with his good friend, uh, he does live James on James Franco. <laughs> James Franco. He does smash big barrels with rhinos on them and then ride the rhinos inside. Yeah, he's good friends with Rambi in real life. Um, yeah, Hugh, he, he, he and Rambi, you know, Rambi's not even in the industry anymore, but they still hang out. Yeah, good on him for staying in touch. See, Do- see Donkey Kong is the first character on this cast list. That in the video games doesn't really have a voice. Yeah, I don't know that I've heard Donkey Kong say word one. Now, there was a an ill-begotten 3D rendered cartoon from the late 90s uh, that is terrible and no one should watch. I vaguely remember this. It was bad. Yeah, it sounds like it. Was uh, Funky Kong in it? Uh, possibly. I don't actually remember. All I, I know... Love Funky Kong. You like Funky Kong? Yeah, he's cool. He's got, he's got those sunglasses that do rag. Yeah, and surfboard. He's in, yeah. He flies a plane sometimes. Yeah, Funky Kong rules. He can get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can say anything about this casting, but... You you can definitely send Funky Kong can get right. Uh, so Seth Rogen probably the biggest mystery of the cast, just because I have no idea what to expect. Like 
he could just use his own voice, which I highly recommend he don't do. Now, uh, this movie, is it Illumination that's doing this? I think that is correct, yes. Isn't that the Minions people? Despicable Me and the Minions, correct. Okay, so and also The Secret Life of Pets? Uh, I'm out on that one, I don't know. I think it might also be The Secret Life of Pets. Uh, so, uh, based on Illumination's involvement, we know for a fact these people will just use their voices. No! Uh, because those movies really just want people to sound no. like the actors to get the butts of ignoramuses. I can't abide by this. Um, I mean, okay, given that, the person who is playing Cranky Kong, uh, Mr. Fred Armisen, he's not just going to use his normal voice. He's going to become the character. I don't know that Fred Armisen has a normal he voice. He doesn't. He's always in character. I uh, I would love Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong. I mean, I love Fred Armisen as anything, yeah. but as Cranky Kong, the one of the best... Second best to Funky Kong. <laughs> the Kong hierarchy is just being illuminated every second with you. Actually, wait, what was the lady one <laughs> sexy Kong? Candy Kong. Candy Kong. So it goes Candy Kong, Funky Kong, Cranky Kong, Diddy Kong, Dixie Kong, right. Baby Kong. Really? Before Donkey. Okay. Oh, Donkey Kong is on the <laughs> King K rule. <laughs> Donkey Kong. I wow. I hate Baby Kong, so that's where our list yeah. differ. Uh Donkey Kong Country 3 was not as good. It wasn't. It was weird. Weirdly paced. Uh okay. Uh the other two members of the cast are Kevin Michael Richardson, who I don't know from Adam, who was playing Kamek, uh the little magic Koopa that is Bowser's number one toady. And uh, somebody by the name of uh, Sebastian Menes Calco, uh, who is playing somebody named Spike. Yeah, I uh, do not know who Kevin Michael Richardson is. I don't know who Spike is. And I don't know who the person who plays Spike is. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's some hints here. Apparently, Kevin Michael Richardson is from Teen Titans. That must be their latest project. Um, I, I don't know if that... I don't, is that Robin? <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, and, uh, maybe. Apparently Sebastian Menes- Meniscalco comes from Green Book. Oh, I uh, heard that that was bad. So I, I don't know who these people are. I don't know who Spike is. Uh, but this is the main cast of this, what I'm now going to describe as an ill-begotten attempt to bring Mario to the silver screen. <laughs> Uh, yes, I now the, the cast, I believe, is concerning, but it's really the involvement of Illumination that really makes this feel bad to me. No, so my my main concern, like, so Ben Schwartz was cast as Sonic and mm-hmm. Ben Schwartz is, you know, he's a comedian, but he's also he's, he has a lot of voice acting experience. Um, he's played a Teenage Min- Mutant Ninja Turtle He's played a, a nephew duck from DuckTales. Like he's he's been involved in the cartoon world, so he knew to bend his voice to become Sonic. And so he doesn't sound like Ben Schwartz. He sounds like a good Sonic the Hedgehog voice. Um Chris Pratt played a Lego man, 
but the Lego man basically had his voice and the others might have varying degrees of voice acting, but at the end of the day, they're, they're mainly actors. So now my concern is huge. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I think kind of above all, we have to understand that like illumination entertainment makes the, uh, animated film equivalent of uh, carpool karaoke. Uh, it's just not a good product, and it's just celebrities being celebrities to be celebrities. And I'm not excited for this. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll turn it around. Yeah. And these people will put in the performances of their lives to bring Mario, Luigi, and all the rest uh, to life. But I'm not sure that that's the case. Right. I mean, there, there's no word word of like who's directing and who would be in the sound booth with these, these actors really trying to shape the characters. Um, so hopefully they get somebody good. And, and I will, I do want to add that while watching all of this unfold in this Nintendo direct, I was screaming at my television, but what about Charles Martinet? Like he's been the voice of Mario forever. You're really doing him dirty. Uh, but everyone needs to rest easy. Uh, he's going to be involved in the film, according to Miyamoto, playing multiple voices. So he is involved uh, somewhat. So I, I, I mean, it seems like they do value that relationship, and they're they're definitely going out of their way, or not going out of their way, but they're making sure that he's not forgotten and all of this purely celebrity kind of star effort kind of attempt to drum up hype for this movie, which I want to emphasize. They announced that the movie exists and they announced the cast, but we still haven't seen a a still or a frame from. I mean, this movie may well likely never get made, but I, I think that it is good. They are showing a decent amount of loyalty by keeping Charles Martinet on the project. I think it was, as we've discussed, largely unnecessary that they had to write in Parthenax the dragon for him to be in the movie, but I understand right. you have to do what you have to do. You don't want to pull a David Hater on anybody. Oh, yeah, or, or the voice of um, uh, Bayonetta. Oh, they, they replaced Bayonetta's voice? It could be for story reasons because they finally did show a trailer of Bayonetta three, and the uh, the the famed witch that we see on screen is not the witch we're familiar with, but a witch that we might know as Ceresa from the first game, uh, the small girl who grows up to be Bayonetta. It has been so long since I played the first Bayonetta. God, Bayonetta's so good. It's very good. And the, the third one was finally, we sh- we've got s- shown some gameplay of it during this Nintendo Direct. And it looks like it's going to be just as crazy. I, I'm excited. I want to blow up some angels. Right. But rather than get the voice actress actor of Bayonetta to just play a younger or different version. They seem to have recast for this new version of Bayonetta who people are calling Ceresa. I mean, I'm, 
I don't know, I'm fine with it. Uh, the, the only voice actors I care about are David Hayter and Charles Martinet. Everyone else can go suck an egg. Who cares? Absolutely, I guess. I, I mean, I also care about Carrie Walgren, Jennifer Hale, Mark Mir, the guy who plays Garrus, and the entire cast of Mass Effect. I care about... Who was Rex? Who plays Rex? Charles Martinet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. No, I have no idea. Um, uh, it turns <laughs> Charles Martinet Shepard. It's me, Rex. <laughs> no, it turns out I care about a lot of voice actors, so I uh, can't. I don't have the same sympathies. I'm sorry, Kevin Conroy, Nolan North, Troy Baker, Troy Baker. Really, the two, right? Yeah, the kings, the kings of of comedy. <laughs> Jennifer Hale. I said Jennifer Hale. Well, shut I up. I also said Carrie Walgren. The queens. The queens. The queens and kings, baby. Uh, all of this to say, what a cursed thing that will exist in 2022. That's right. They also announced the release date, John. Holiday 2022. Well, that seems uh, soon, considering no one knows anything about right. it. Right. And uh, no one is excited, but cursed indeed. Yeah, we're all cursed with this knowledge. I guess you can be uh, curse-hyped a little bit. Uh, But I do want to reveal, John, that this knowledge that a Mario movie is coming out in 2022 sets up a particular stage for an age-old rivalry. Oh. Because also coming to the silver screen in 2022 is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Oh my god. That's right. The blue blur and the red Italian plumber who never really got a nickname are going head to head on in the box office, the next arena. Video games are finally evolving. I am so excited. I would like to make something clear and I might actually be wrong. But I do believe the Winter Olympics take place in 2022. So are we going to see Mario versus Sonic at the Olympic Games? In real life? Absolutely we will, John. Absolutely. Because they will both be cross-promoting each other's films. They will be cross-promoting each other's films. They will be going to Beijing, a huge market for both movies, I'm sure, where the 2022 Winter Olympics are taking place. Oh, well, that's good to know. And yeah, huge market share there. I'm sure both Sega and whoever made that movie and Nintendo and Illumination will want to... They will want to... And, and like, it, there's, there's a precedent for it because Sonic and... Mario and Sonic have canonically played at olympic games in the past in their series mario and sonic at the olympic games <laughs> to to which i was obliquely referring by name right earlier exactly yes, yes. Uh, real life imitates art as always and uh who, what higher art is there than a quick cash grab of mini games <laughs> featuring iconic characters from both sega and nintendo <laughs> Hey, and what can I say about these two franchises other than Hog Go Fast, Fuck Chris Pratt? <laughs> yes, the taglines of both <laughs> both <laughs> franchises, respectively. I just this this really fits in with the like Sonic the Hedgehog early '90s attitude era thing. Oh yeah, like really, really dunking on them. Right? Yeah, 
Yeah, Sega does what Nintendo don't. Yeah, we we bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah, let's let's revive an old age-old battle uh for no reason. Yeah, listen. You could have showings of the new Mario movie and then like all of a sudden what changes into like a showing of Sonic the Hedgehog, and then in other theaters where there's a showing Sonic the Hedgehog, Mario could like come in with a gun. <laughs> yeah, the famous the famous gun. Yeah, Mario's a famous gun. <laughs> Mario is the gun. Yeah. Right. It's a me, a gun. <laughs> it's a me, gun violence. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, I can't wait for the 2022 Oscars to show up and have both Mario and Sonic both nominated for Best Picture. You mean Mario and Sonic at the Academy Awards? Yeah, give me that I'm game. Very excited, Capcom. Uh, I cannot wait for Sonic to get their due. Oh, we won't uh, have to wait. Owed an Oscar for too long. We don't have to wait for Sonic to get there. He's very fast. He's very fast. He would read through it very fast. Uh, it would go to La La Land. I still think it's a crime that Sonic the Hedgehog was not nominated for Best Animated Film. That was until I realized that Sonic was the only animated character in said film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the same reason why Hop wasn't nominated. Hop. You know James Marsden? You know that movie where James Marsden plays a mild-mannered person alongside a, a horrifying uh, furry CGI monster? Oh, right. Sonic the Hedgehog. No, Hop. Oh, I'm sorry. You lost me. Hop is a movie by Illumination Entertainment. Oh, no. <laughs> where James Marsden has to interact with a rabbit played by Russell Brand. Why does it seems like James Marsden is either a cowboy or he's interacting with a CGI creature? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know. I actually don't know when Hop came out. It seems like something you made up. It's truly real. I, yeah. Oh, 2011. They got in there way before Sonic the Hedgehog. So you think James Marsden was like, oh, okay, I'm used to this. I have Hop <laughs> experience. <laughs> he they turned it in the CV and he's like, listen really you can't do better yeah he's like yeah they're like do you have a reel and he just he sent them a dvd of hop yeah it's just hop right i uh do you know who was in who framed roger rabbit yeah the guy who played mario oh my god but the only people the only people who reasonably could have played the human counterpart to Sonic the Hedgehog were Bob Hoskins and James Mars. And like, listen, we can't we can't go with Bob. Yeah. It's, it's a conflict of interest. Right. He's Mario. Yeah, he can't he can't play alongside Mario, for he is Mario. Yeah, you can't the man who plays Mario must never meet the <laughs> eyes of a CGI Sonic the Hedgehog. It's got to be James Marsden. Yeah, they're like, you know, Bob Hoskins, he has the experience. He's done it before, but he can't because he'll he'll burst into flames and we can't have he, that. This is a kid's movie. Now, of course, they did dodge a bullet by not casting James Marsden as Mario in this movie. I would have accepted it, but you're right, because that the same thing would happen. Yeah. 
but in uh, reverse. For real, though, I think if they said James Marsden is Mario, I'd be like, that's weird, but fine. Uh, I think it's just because of how hard it is to stand Chris yeah, Pratt. Yeah, no, honestly, anyone else, I feel like the news would be like, well, that might as well happen. Yeah, I mean, with all these other ones, sure. The only... <laughs> anyone, Danny DeVito, whatever, who yeah, cares? Danny DeVito would be great, of course. Uh, the only other news that could be worse would be like, look, we know we know he's had a troubled past. <laughs> we know he's got some issues, but we we at Nintendo are very happy to announce Kevin Spacey is Mario. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, sorry. You, the new was the new cast. Kevin Spacey as Mario. R. Kelly as Luigi. Oh, oh no, that's gonna be bad. He he got tied up with some legal problems. Yeah, you know the movie's gonna take a little while, but they're really uh, committed to the art. Yeah, Amber Heard as Princess Peach. Oh no, the most Just... problematic cast. Well, now we're coming up with the cast for Castlevania. <laughs> Shigeru Miyamoto was like, I don't keep up with what's going on in American <laughs> news. But they gave me carte blanche to hire whoever I wanted. I hired all of my favorite people. <laughs> Bowser's played by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh no. horrible. Oh, we horrible, tried to get horrible. Jeffrey Epstein for Luigi, but he was unreachable. <laughs> He's not answering my calls. I was so excited to see what jokes he would say. <laughs> They're both tall. <laughs> They're both tall. Oh, that's uh, no, that's so bad. It's so bad. All right. Cut this whole part. We can't. We're supposed uh, to set up what we're doing next month, Sean. <laughs> yes. Speaking of this cursed movie that we're all going to be watching. Right. Yes. Curses. Yes, I I don't know about you, Henry. John? But I've been feeling a little, I don't know, some, some strange spirit has taken over me. Not an actual spirit. I mean, I am actually feeling, well, in a, in a specific way, the nights are getting colder, the days are getting shorter. Yeah, and then he said, yeah, the, the nights are also getting longer, too. Yes, nights are darker, longer, days shorter, also darker. And colder. And colder. There's something about this time that just makes me reminisce and think about uh, slumber parties, John. Yeah, like, I don't know when the last time I had a slumber party was. I I can't... I, growing up, I really didn't get a chance to have a lot of slumber parties it, it, that seemed more of uh, things that not boys do. Yeah, I I think slumber parties were largely robbed of me as a child. I think pretty much the same. And I, I grew up in a world where there was always a slumber party episode of the shows I was watching. And I could never really relate to them. Well, I mean, Henry. John. What's... What's being an adult but being a child but you have freedom and money? I you're right. I think we we finally have the opportunity to make up for just the the absolute theft of an experience from our childhoods, John. 
Henry. What are you doing for the next all of the nights of a month? <laughs> uh, what am I doing for the next month? Let me check my calendar. Yeah, I'm totally free. Specifically in the nights. I don't want to see you during the day. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my days are pretty busy, okay. but my nights are free. Well, well, John, I don't know if I don't know if you would be interested, but uh, why not? Why, why don't you uh, come over? We'll have a little month-long slumber party. A month-long slumber party sounds exceptionally normal and fun. Yeah, I don't... And we can do all the things that slumber parties have always done on shows forever. We, we, can, we can talk with our, our feet up on the beds and talk about what crushes we have we can we can call boys and then like twist the weird telephone cord on the on the landline phone as we talk to them or or like you know we call we call boys and then when they pick up we we just hang up and laugh yeah this sounds great we can order pizza and stay up late and watch a scary movie we can do makeovers oh and pillow fights Pillow fights. And of course, what slumber party would be... What is the word I would want here? How could we... What slumber party wouldn't be complete? Yes, thank you. (laughs) What slumber party wouldn't be complete without a little bit of supernatural occult happenings? Well, I mean, the nights are getting longer and colder, and I don't know, that puts me in a little bit of a... Of a spooky mood. Henry, have you ever... I, I mean, I don't want to say it out loud, but have you ever used a Ouija board before? Oh, no. I would never dream of using a Luigi board. Wait, hold on. Hold on. We actually need to call it a spirit board. Oh, is Ouija copyrighted? <laughs> it is, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I've never used a spirit board or summoned any sort of demons of any kind. Well, I I don't know, Henry. I think it's all kind of baloney. Oh, well, John, I think there's only one way we can find out. Oh, are we going to have a spirit spooky slumber party spirit board month long slumber (laughs) spirit board party? That's right. Right now we're announcing the zero credit slumber spooky spirit board seance. Ooh, spooky seance. I'm going to grab all of my pillows and belongings and nightly ablutions. Nightly ablutions? Like, is that what you... No, I think... I'm just going to grab the stuff I used to clean my face and a bunch Ah. of pillows. I'll be over there in like 40 minutes. Well, cool. I'll get... I'll hide the bulk of my stuffed animals, but leave out the one I can't sleep without. So you don't think I'm too weird. What an exceptionally normal thing to do and say. Right. It's the zero credits spooky. I have this written out. I There's an actual official title, but for now it's the zero credits slumber slights and spooky nights time coming to you the entire month of October. Wow. I'm excited. Me too. I'm I'm looking forward to eating popcorn, watching a movie that I'm not old enough to understand, and talking to the supernatural. Once again, I cannot stress this enough. I think supernatural ghosts and goblins are hooey, but I, I'm just excited to get this show on the road. So I, if you want, I can do the social media and I can 
get out of this podcast and start collecting my cleansers. Right. Yes. I've got some preparations to do. We have sheets to wash. I can't let you see the stains. (laughs) You have a lot of stuffed animals and horribly filthy sheets. Uh, (laughs) Mom. (laughs) This slumber party is going to be great. If you want to send us something about a slumber party, I don't know, in a tweet format, uh, you can do so on Twitter.com to at ZZPC. WHJ on Twitter.com. Ooh, I'm getting spooky just thinking about it. Which stands for, of course, Henry. That stands for Zuki Kooky, Pookie Cookie, Wookie Hookie, Juki. <laughs> I hope none of those were antiquated slurs. If you want to send us. <laughs> If you want to send us some kind of scary story, which I think is all bullshit, you can do so uh, to email at zerocredits.net. Send us uh, send us your scary stuff. You know, I'll debunk it. I'll sleep in a closet with the light off. I'll say Candyman in a mirror five times. All of it's hooey, and I don't care about it. We are on a series of podcast platforms that I did not... Uh, memorize, but I'll say the first two, we are on Spotify. Search for Zero Credits in the podcast section of Spotify. Uh, We are on Apple Podcasts. Do the same there. We are on Good Pods. Good Pods. Look for us there. I don't know what Good Pods is. You'll do the rest. You're smart. Uh, Good Pods is a platform that allows you to follow people and also listen to podcasts, and you can see what they're following Right now, you can see that we are listening to Smartless. We are listening to Smartless. That's right. Good pods. It essentially sounds like social media for podcasts. So deepen your parasocial relationship with us and the podcast you listen to by investing heavily in good pods. However, the best investment is trying to get more people to listen to this goddamn show. (laughs) Because word of the mouth is the only way. We can survive. So instead of investing your money into a brainless rat, invest your money in us. Because time is money. We don't actually have any avenues through which you could send us money. But uh, commit your time to it. You're worth at least minimum wage. Uh, So, you know, put in a few hours here or there. If you get time to lean, you get time to clean. But let people know about the podcast. It's the best way for them to know about it. This one was all over the place. Yeah, it really was. Um, But from everyone here in the I Need to Vacuum the Rugs studios so we can lay out our blankets in front of the television, we want to wish you a happy week. Uh, good... Goodbye. Is your house okay? Uh, we haven't ever cleaned. We've never cleaned. Um, I'm, don't judge us by the lack of furniture. Oh no. What's the condition of your baseboards? Uh, they're bare. Oh, oh no. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah.